0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have episode three of the Meet the Team podcast, Meet the Coach podcast series. Uh, Today, we are speaking with Adam Willoughby, who is a strength coach and nutritionist for the Boom Boom Performance team. Uh, Adam is somebody who is extremely humble, extremely interesting, um, has an unbelievable accent. I call him David Beckham of fitness because he is British. He is from the United Kingdom, and you can hear it in his voice. Um, And There's something about an English accent. I don't know what it is, but it makes the person sound nicer. Uh, very kind, wise, intelligent, um, somewhat sexy. (laughs) There's just, there's something about that English accent. So I always give him shit about it, uh, but in a good way. I also give him shit because he's very shy and you're going to hear this today. He is a little bit shy and he kind of opens up as the podcast goes. Um, But he left a lot out about himself because he is so damn humble. In fact, he is one of the most humble people I've ever met in my entire life. He is an extremely talented coach and he is somebody who is just honestly such a genuine person. When people ask me about Adam or to describe Adam, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is that he is just a great fucking person. And I literally say those exact words every time. He is a great human being. And I mean that in the fullest sense that I can possibly mean that in. And that's why he makes a great coach. In fact, Adam worked with me as a mentor client for over a year. We worked together for I think a year and a half and we did a lot of really deep coaching. Um, this is where I took him through kind of like my four pillars training, if you will. Um, not something I typically do um, as a business, like I'm a trainer and a nutrition coach, and that's what we do. But um, he approached me as one of my first mentor clients ever, really. And he came to me and said, like, I, I love the way you live your life. I love the core values you preach. Um, I love your business motto. And, and I want to learn from you, man. I want to learn how to grow a business. I want to learn how to grow life. Um, and it's something I'm very happy that we got the chance to do because it helped groomed him into the coach on our team that he is today. Um, And I I, I do believe that a lot of the principles he has taken, not only from me, but taken from some of the places that he's going to describe today um, have helped him become the father that he is about to become because he is about to be a dad. So I'm, I'm super excited about this because he is not only a qualified strength coach that works with. Tons of MMA fighters over in the United Kingdom, as well as general population and everyday individuals and athletes he is also a nutrition coach for many of our athletes and our general population clients at boom, boom performance. And something that he forgot to mention, because again, he is so humble is that he's actually fought in over 20 pro fights as a Muay Thai fighter. He won the silver medal in the European amateur championships, and he had British and English title fights and fought in title- Thailand's biggest stadiums in the entire country. Um, not to mention that his brother was one of the, the biggest champions in the, in the country and Europe as well. So he has lived and breathed fighting judo, jujitsu, Muay Thai specifically um, is his one big thing in the United Kingdom. And he kind of lived that. I want to say he said 14 years old, but you'll hear that in the podcast as he kind of dives into it. Um, but it bummed me out because he mentioned that he's been in the fighting world for a long time, but he he failed to leave out that he has fought in over 20 professional fights. He has titles and all these crazy qualifications and certificates in the fighting world. So Adam is not only a talented coach, he's a talented fighter. He's a talented athlete. He's a great human being and he is an unbelievable coach. And I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this podcast because he is one of the newer coaches on our team. And today is just a taste of how interesting this man really is. So you're going to hear a little bit about Adam today, and we're going to dive into some topics around mindset, around coaching, around strength training, around training fighters, and some of the other things that I feel that Adam can bring to the table to provide value to you inside of a podcast format. Guys, if you enjoy this podcast, please do me a huge favor and help me spread the message. It is our job and our duty to create a bigger reach so more and more people can continue to benefit from this show, continue to learn and educate with us and get better results. So what you can do to help me spread this message is take a screenshot of the show, head over to Instagram, post it on your story, and tag myself and Adam so we can share it on our story and we collectively can build this reach and build this organic growth to help more and more people my instagram handle is at cody.boomboom and adams is adam b willoughby both which will be in the show notes of this podcast and last but not least if you do love this show head over to itunes leave us a five-star rating review that does help us grow in the charts and that is greatly appreciated all right without any further ado let's get on to this episode meet the team part three with coach adam all right, brother, it's about damn time to get you on the episode. Adam, um, I'm excited to have you on the show, bro. Um, so for those listening, this is Adam Willoughby. He is one of the coaches at Boom Boom Formants, but he's also somebody that I've been working with for, so we've known each other for probably at least, what, two years now?
1: Two years now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so
0: like he started mentoring with me. We started working together um, on a per- pretty personal level as far as like coaching goes, Um and, and finally, I was just like, dude, I would be honored if you, you worked for us, man. He's just a great human being. He's a great coach, a lot of experience. Um, and he has a lot of cool stuff that he does over in the UK. So we're going to dive into that. But um, before I go any further, man, um, before fitness, that's where we're going to start. We're going to give people the, the journey of Adam. Um, cool. So I want to know kind of like essentially how you got into fitness. But like, where did that all start? What age? What were you doing? So on and so forth sure
1: uh before i start i just want to say thank you for uh, letting me come on the podcast i remember listening back to the podcast like way way back like episode one where it's kind of you and uh theo talking about training and nutrition and just like learning uh a lot a lot from you guys and that's what actually made me reach out to you for mentorship in the end so uh and just to see the like boom, i see boom, boom performance evolve to what it is today is incredible, man. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm honored to be on. Uh, thank so you, thank man. You. Thank
0: it's you, great. man. I appreciate that. It's actually so I'm uh, I'm in the middle of I should be done with this because the presentation is next week. But for the uh, Impact Collective, I'm finished my presentation, and I did this. Uh, it's kind of like patience, like talking about patience inside of the mm-hmm. industry and. I did like, uh, like to basically just to make a statement at the beginning of the presentation. There's like, a sl- like each slide, says a year. So the first one says 2012. And I, so I went back and I looked at all these pictures. I found a picture of me the day one of the podcast. And it like, it's like, no so I'm on like a kitchen table with like the shitty mic. And, um, <laughs> but it went as far back as the first slide said 2012. And I was doing a training video. I was creating some content and I was in a, on a soccer field hanging from a bar doing toes to bar and it was like an explanation (laughs) of like core training and it's just crazy man so um but thank you dude i appreciate that a lot coming from so um, so how did it all start dude? How, how did you get into this shit
1: um if i if i look back i didn't really um think i would be a coach it wasn't really on my radar but i definitely knew that i'd be in kind of health and fitness in some sort of uh way um um started i guess when i was a kid i'd always been uh involved uh in sport and i'd always been um kind of natural at sport and had that natural ability so i started judo when i was about eight and then just kind of dabbled in loads of other different types of uh sports and i kind of found my, found my love and passion for muay thai um i remember early 2000s my brother and i went to uh thailand for our first uh trip uh went out there to train um and then i just kind of got the bug like my passion for muay thai just kind of grew even even more um and also i also got the bug for traveling as well um so what i did was just i would come back to the uk i would train a fight um work just some uh jobs just so i could go uh, I travel again so for years i would travel come back to the uk travel come back um and then i kind of uh was traveling and then i decided to stay in bangkok obviously um bangkok is the capital of thailand which is the national sp- and muay thai is the national sport so um i just stayed there for uh quite a few years and while i was over there i actually um had a friend come over from the uk and he said to me uh, oh we're opening uh mma gym in the the uk and he's like obviously i really like what you do Oh, you have like ex- uh, experience in fighting i would like to come over and uh, be a muay thai coach for us so um at that time i kind of wasn't too happy in sort of thailand i felt like i kind of come to my end there so then um moved over back to london I worked at that MMA gym for about three to four years. And then one of the guys there also um, uh, was opening a gym. This was more like a kind of a fitness-based gym. So he asked me, oh, do I want to come and work for him? So I was like, cool. And then I, um, now that's where uh, at the gym that I'm currently at. And then also uh, mentoring with uh, you. Then the opportunity uh come up to work with you, doing nutrition, coaching, and kind of that's where I am now today. So,
0: uh, at eight years old, you say seven or eight years old, you started judo. Judo is yeah. if people aren't familiar, it's probably one of I mean you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not as well versed as you are, but hmm. probably one of the most complicated martial arts, right?
1: As yeah, far as technical uh, technical very much so I'd say jujitsu j- probably more. <laughs> oh really? Uh, yeah jujitsu uh from my experience uh which isn't a lot but um from what I have learned that It just takes so long just to learn uh just the basics but uh judo yeah as well very uh, technical um the kind of the object of j- judo is to throw the person t- to the ground uh, and then you get points uh b- 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 that way so yeah
0: what i mean what made you do that at such a young age i mean most i mean and i guess i don't know if i didn't assume that was like a maybe it isn't a normal thing in the uk but like over here it's like eight years old uh, maybe start soccer (laughs) t-ball like you're like i'm gonna go slam people on a mat
1: (laughs) yeah if i'm honest my older brother was like quite a big influence i think i had that sibling thing where i would kind of follow what he would do so he kind of got into judo and then i would see him do it and then kind of that natural thing was then i would do it uh, as well and actually the same goes for uh muay thai he kind of um started that first and then i kind of fell into that with him and then just absolutely sort of loved it and just like took it like, like to water and then just yeah
0: yeah man like, i uh i did jujitsu for three months and then i did muay thai for probably six to nine months we moved and then when I moved so far away, I like that was basically the reason I stopped and I haven't started back up, but I love Muay Thai, man. I like yeah. I enjoyed Muay Thai more than boxing, more than jiu-jitsu, more than anything. It's just yeah fucking brutal, but really fun. <laughs> um, and the funny thing to me is I always say <laughs> to, to you, is like it it blows me away because you're you're such a nice guy. You got this, and I always like give you shit in a nice way about the British accent. You got this like perfect British accent, <laughs> and <laughs> your face isn't all banged up. Like, how did you Definitely. go? this long without any or have you had any serious injuries along the way i gotta imagine you lived in fucking bangkok for years fighting well and and also explain like how far that went like did you like what was the uh competition nature the competitive nature of it like did you uh, were you in tournaments all the time were you scheduled fights like how far did you get in that
1: um uh with thailand um it's actually a lot less pressure, I feel, but how it kind of works, it just works like normal sort of boxing. You start out, you you get a fight, you probably fight like um, once um, a month um, and then you just get fights, you kind of build up a name, you build up a, a, a reputation, then you would fight for like uh, titles. So that's kind of like how fights are kind of like, uh, how they kind of work. Um, so, yeah.
0: Did you, did you, I mean, did you get any titles? Did you, how far did you go with that? Or did you just, were you the type? Cause I see that a lot of like, you're a great coach and I see a lot of great coaches who like started kind of going far in the sport and then like decided they were a better coach than an athlete. Did you ever have yeah. that moment or did you stop fighting because I mean, you can only get hit so many times before? Yeah, um, I, was kind of,
1: yeah I was kind of a good, I'm going to be I, I, honest. Hit. I was very good. I was very good in the, the gym. But I just felt like I never performed to my best ability on the actual night. Um, I'm a guy who kind of like thinks a lot. I probably like worry a little bit too much. So mm. in the gym, I was a killer. I would like, my older brother, he's like two-time two, two time world champion. He's a Commonwealth champion, European, British. He was UK number one for like a few years. And in the gym, me and him would we'll just go at it. and. I was like, I was on par. But then when the actual fight night came, I just feel, yeah, just overthinking things and adrenaline and like uh, weight cuts as well didn't go particularly well. And I just, I was kind of like a fighter that just never performed to the to the best of my ability. And that is quite a common thing as well. And yeah, it actually works in reverse. You see guys in the, the, the gym, they're like awful on the pads not very good sparring, a little bit clumsy, a bit clutzy, but on the actual night when the lights are on and they're in the ring, they're absolute murderers. So kind of you do get people down the middle, but then it does kind of work a little bit both ways. Uh like that. So
0: I've I've seen that in uh I've heard that in Olympic lifting as well. Like I mean really? the the repetition of Olympic lifting. You're doing the same skill based lift over and over and over and over again but then they walk out on the mat and everybody's staring at them and it's like oh shit and yeah. then nerves gets the best of them ang- anxiety gets the best of them and they just yeah. they don't go far so um so i can totally relate to that dude so you you end up leaving fighting at some point what was that transition like like i mean that guy came over he said hey i want you to start coaching fighters and then somebody else introduced you i believe it was probably manner right they they yeah. came to you yeah. and said like you want they want you to start strength training what was the evolution yeah. of that like because one thing I find really interesting about you is we, you and I program for training so similar. That's why, like, one of the reasons we got along at the very beginning is, like, we had a very, very similar style of, of program design for, for basically everybody, and I think we both share the fact that whether you're an athlete or a gen pop, we're going to have very similar principles. We're just going to modify it depending on the individual's level of experience, um, yeah. but, I'm curious how that transition happened. What made you start diving down cuz you're very very into strength and conditioning, man. Like what really clicked yeah. with you to make you start going in into that so deeply
1: into strength and conditioning. Yeah. That's a good a question. <laughs> uh, I think it was obviously I saw the mistakes that I had made back in uh when in my when I used to fight and um I think that I used to channel so much energy and time uh, dedication and just um everything that i had into a thai boxing and i think when i stopped uh uh fighting i felt like i needed to like channel all of those things into s- 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 something else and because i wasn't competing anymore uh, and that natural pro- progression of being a multi coach came and then um strengthened can uh, addition in then I just felt like I would just I would just put everything all everything that I've got all of my all into like being the best possible coach that uh, I can so I kind of I think that answers your question but yeah yeah so I think everybody kind of has
0: actually I shouldn't say everybody has I think everybody needs kind of that thing that just in a healthy way it kind of is an obsession if that makes sense like it's something that just kind of over like overwhelms you with passion and drive and just like you just have to get better right so if you can't channel that into something you're gonna end up just being sedated with nothing um along that journey i know you had a lot of issues with um i shouldn't say a lot of issues i shouldn't speak for you but you've you've posted about this and we've talked about this with like body image Mm -hmm. and weight cuts and dieting and training Mm and um kind of the the waves you know that those cycles that those things go through can you talk about that a little bit i think like one thing that would be really powerful is we've had countless women on the podcast talk about like body image issues or, or falling yeah. through like under eating and like weight loss and cuts and what you see in the mirror and stuff and rarely ever do we have guys talk about that except myself briefly but i know you yeah. are passionate about that as well because you deal with guys that we work with
1: in that realm but then also you've gone through sure. it yourself yeah, well, yeah. Like I didn't probably realise it at the time, but looking back now, I definitely had an eating disorder and body dysmorphia. Um, just yeah, looking back, I was kind of just my really poor relationship with food and a really poor relationship with my body. Um, obviously, in a uh, Muay Thai, you have to make weight. So when I was at fighting weight, I felt good. I was like very low body fat, very lean, very skinny. I guess. And I kind of I liked it. And then um, obviously, looking back now, I didn't realize it at the time, but I wanted to maintain that physique constantly. And I know that's obviously not a possible. So anytime that I kind of wasn't at that, uh, a fighting weight or any time that I felt that I wasn't at a weight that I felt comfortable in, like in my clothes or in my own skin, I would like not like myself basically wouldn't like what i saw in the mirror i would kind of like have negative self chatter i would like yeah call myself fat or feel like i had like a fat face or like fat legs or yeah so the relationship was very sort of poor and then i think um with like food um same 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 type of thing just would restrict food and then binge and then when i would binge I would kind of um, sort of feel uh, ashamed, uh, guilty, and then I'd like diet again to to regain some sort of control. But again, it just goes around and around. I would diet again, or I just wouldn't eat, um, and then I'd like excessively train, and then binge again, feel ashamed, guilty, and that's going around and around. That was on like a weekly occurrence um and actually was actually did stay around quite a while even after i stopped competing i just think i was kind of so used to that kind of uh mindset or just used to that kind of way of of like eating actually took a little bit of time for me to kind of break out of that so yeah yeah, man. I've, and it's actually a, a common thing. I speak to like uh, fighters now, and a lot of the fighters that I speak to go through the exact same thing. And again, as as you said, like men don't really speak about it, and I think people have this perception as well, of like more it's kind of like macho kind of sport, which it's basically, which is actually not. But um, I think a lot of guys and girls suffer, but they just don't really talk about it. And I think it has to come. It comes. To, down to like being on or like off so when you're in a fight camp you're on you have to train consistently and you have to eat um to like lose weight basically and then i think people aren't going about it the right way and they're just re- re- uh, like really reducing calories like really re- uh, restricting um and then after the fight they just go nuts so yeah it's kind of uh it's not healthy relationship
0: and unfortunately it's quite a common i uh, i had a similar thing after my physique competition and i think that's like it's honestly one of my driving forces for like all the talk of education around maintenance and why we push that on clients so much is because even if they're shorter maintenance phases like i feel like that is a really good way to try to i shouldn't say fix as if somebody's broken but just help mm. that that balance and that relationship with food um yeah. what what was it with you that finally clicked like how did you cuz i think like you're right like especially i've noticed especially with guys because like girls will be like fuck i dieted i set goals constantly so that i'm constantly dieting or i'm constantly going through these cycles of like cut and binge cut and binge and they'll be open yeah. about it right they'll admit they'll be like hey i need help i'm going to hire a coach i'm going to tell them what i'm doing and see if they yeah. can help me guys are kind of the opposite our ego almost gets in the way and they won't reach out really- for help even though they need it so It's good to have people like you and me talking about it so guys can feel like they can reach out. But what was it for you that allowed you to kind of let go of your ego and be like, you know what, like, I need help, right? I need to fix this. I need to work on this.
1: I thought you might ask me that, this question. i actually been trying to think about it, and I don't really know the answer, to be honest. It's kind of, I don't know. I think definitely loving yourself more and um, valuing yourself more. And giving yourself a a break, like it's okay if you have a little bit more uh, body fat um it's uh, uh okay if you've overeaten it's like just don't feel uh, bad about it um yeah yeah it's I've been like honestly trying to think about the reasons why and at the moment there's deadly like reasons that I can kind of think of um and maybe for me it kind of helps being out of that sort of fighting uh or that um environment of making weight i think that helped um as well but um yeah things like being kinder to yourself valuing yourself more and just maybe as well for me again having the long-term goal or process in mind i think when i used to gain a little bit of a body fat i'd want it off my body like straight away so i wouldn't eat i would just overtrain. i'd get highly anxious and then I think just to think it's okay if you if you're holding on to some a body fat for like a week, a couple of weeks, a month, it's fine. People st- still like you, you. The person you are hasn't changed. Um, love yourself and be confident.
0: Do you think and you might not remember an exact moment with this um but it, and I agree I mean I I think we've both read some similar books that talk basically the whole book is about accepting yourself and loving yourself so okay. um I can agree with you on that for sure do you think that any of it had to do with almost having an honest conversation with yourself and and I guess what I mean by that is I know for me I almost just ignored it for the longest time until I just looked at myself in the mirror and was like I'm I'm Unhappy. Like, this doesn't, this isn't good. And I had to like admit to myself, like, something's fucked up, dude. Like, this doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be treating yourself this way. You shouldn't look at yourself this way, so on and so forth. And that was enough for me to create change. Right. And like, I think that's uh, maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of people need to be more honest with themselves. Does that make sense? What I'm saying right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, being honest, uh, open. Um, understanding the reality of kind of where you are and just being okay with that and then just making like logical steps sustainable steps to move forward to a physique that you are kind of <laughs> happy with and just thinking now maybe it's like a perfection thing maybe like being like so lean like it's kind of like you feel as though you look perfect but that's never really going to be perfect right you should just be happy with where you are now and to make the best of it and just yeah try and then maintain or try and work towards a physique um that you are happy with it's a slow process man yeah um
0: and i think that's i mean that's the what that's what pe- most people are afraid of is because it takes so much time you know what i mean yeah. and, but that's the reality you know so um mm-hmm. because people listening want tangibles they love like well what should i do <laughs> like uh do you have a did you hire any coaches? Did you have any mentors? Were there any specific books, any things you sought out? Like, do you have anything that helped you along the journey um, as far as mindset and just over the years in general, or like things you've recommended to clients, anything like that?
1: To do with like eating and kind of...
0: Eat. I guess just like the whole conversation of what we're talking about, really. Like, like yes, the relationship with food, um, the long-term process, uh, just mindset in general.
1: Hmm. Um, any books? I mean you've recommended me some good books um ego is the, the enemy is obviously one that kind of like I'm, a, I'm a, uh, sticks out a lot um i don't know yeah there's nothing really like books there's nothing really i can sort of think of off the, off the top of my head um yeah so no
0: along uh, along this way i like i want to touch on a couple things with this too because i think the mindset thing steps outside of just um uh, just the relationship with food and uh i mean obviously like whatever we can talk about but i know you've done some different types of therapy i've done some different types of therapy (laughs) you um you've worked with me you've read and listened to a ton of books um you've also even done like speech therapy and like one thing i really admire about you is and i actually don't remember where i think i asked you if your center came from fighting and i think you said no but um that was one thing like you did like speech therapy on and you also get in front of groups of people and do like seminars you do like uh work in at like company and corporate stuff for talks we talk on the phone all the time you talk clients all the time like you do a lot Mm. that like pushes yourself out of that comfort zone Mm. and the reason i'm saying this because i know we've had conversations about like it is uncomfortable doing those things. Even for me, dude, like I'm shitting my pants about next week. I'm going to speak to a hundred people. (laughs) Like that shit scares me um, no matter how many times I do it. Um, but I'm curious as to like, if you have any thoughts on that, like, is it just a matter of just like, fuck it, just step into the fire and just do it. Or like what, what pushed you to like, I guess, continually work on yourself. Like you, you're in a good position you're successful you're you're smart you have your life to go but you still constantly do more and more and more to work on yourself and i'm just i just want to like tap into what's going on in your brain to make you keep doing that and what you are doing (laughs) if that makes Uh, sense
1: yeah i mean i just want to be the best possible human being that uh, i can um in every area of my life obviously i want to be the best coach uh, possible i want to be the best husband uh, possible about to be a father as well so i want to be the best father possible and i just want to just make and create the impact basically the people that i come into contact with um want to be uh, 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 remembered uh, for who i am and just always just trying to be just uh, as good as i possibly can be so yeah is there
0: what what have you done in that process uh like give us the um you've done I can't remember the type of therapy. You've done therapy, speech therapy. Mm-hmm. You've done different mm-hmm. things like that. You've done different certifications. I kind of just want to run through all the processes you've done so people can get an idea. And I think, like, one of the reasons why I want to do this, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot to talk about <laughs> it, <laughs> is because, like, A, like, there's, there's a ton of Boom uh, Boom Performance members and clients listening, and uh-huh. we want them to know who you are. And I think, like, yeah. the most powerful thing I've noticed uh, that I've done personally is, like, admitting – or talking about the things I've done to work on myself or like the things like, Oh, like I went through this or like, I experienced like really bad anxiety. I had to get help for it. I had to do this. I read these books because I wasn't accepting myself or forgiving myself. And people really were like, Oh, Cody's a human. Yeah. That helps me. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's like super, super helpful for people to hear. Or even when I like, I talked about like I I went to therapy because I was experiencing really bad stress and anxiety. Mm. And a lot of people like try to like, Avoid talking about that, or like not admit that, and it's like that's a good thing. Yeah. Like you're working on yourself. Like well, there's nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it just like opens this door for people to open their, uh, I guess, their eyes to new possibilities, or just open up to like conversations that
1: they're afraid to have. Yeah, sure. Uh, or in case the listeners haven't realized already, I do have a uh, stammer. Um, so that's something I've always had since I was a kid. Something obviously doing a podcast. Uh, it's obviously quite a, a, a challenge um sometimes it's hard to articulate what i want to say i kind of would avoid, uh, avoid certain words um maybe my speech will go fast but, um, when i get nervous and i can't really like say exactly what i want so that's kind of um something that i kind of sh- sh- uh, sh- struggle with on a daily basis and yes i do uh, talks uh i teach uh, classes um and obviously i just want to control that as much as I. I possibly can um I and mean, then in, in terms of kind of uh therapy um yeah i used to go to psycho uh therapy um and now i go to psycho analysis so um that's like in intensive uh five-day uh therapy um and with that it's just absolutely amazing because um you just have kind of a place where you can just uh you lay down and you just uh basically say what's on your mind you just kind of talk kind of find out what's holding you back You kind of um, find out your why you think that the way that you do uh, maybe that stems from your sort of childhood or family situations or any other type of past um, uh, uh, ex- ex- experiences and i just think that's, it's just been such an amazing way to kind of get to know who I actually am. And to I kind of unravel the reasons why I do what I do, just so I can get like a clear picture, just just, to understand myself as much as I I possibly can. And I believe that if you kind of look after yourself and you understand yourself um, to the best of your ability, then you are then able to then uh, help others and also like portray, like the best version um, of you so i think that like when you first told me about it um Mm.
0: it really stood out to me like something i actually wanted to try and it Mm. it also reminded me in full disclaimer i am not a therapist but it all it also kind of reminded me of of even just conversations you and i had when we were just strictly mentoring right like and you would talk to me about like there's a sense of relief like when i talk to my mentor and we talk Mm. about my family my relationships my business like the team like i go through everything in my life everything that's going on in my head like what i'm thinking how i'm thinking questioning why i'm thinking like mm-hmm. i think about it, i'm like he's not a professional <laughs> psychotherapist <laughs> but it's that sense of I, I think people being able to voice what's going on in their head is so unbelievably powerful and i will 100%. say too is um psychotherapy sounds like something completely different than it is
1: anything yeah. it sounds like yeah. something like psycho it's it's <laughs> I remember when I told you, I said, yeah, I'm doing this, but I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> wrong. I just kind of like, I justify it, but, <laughs> it's, but it, yeah.
0: It's, yeah, it's not, it's not what it, it seems like. Uh, yeah. I actually, I, I talked to Shannon about it. Um, Did you Yeah. And, and, and I told her, I was like, this isn't what it sounds like, but like, I'm just, <laughs> just, for me, uh, it, and not even from like a dark place. And I don't know if you want to speak on this or if this is, has, mm. it relates to how, why you started it, but. For me, it wasn't even a thing of like, like I really, really need help right now because I'm in a really good place in my life. It was more along the lines of like, how did I end up here? Like, why do I consistently do the things I do? Why do I consistently act the way I act or think the things I think or respond the way I respond, whether it's negative or positive? And it's just like kind of understanding. And this is why I like The Big Leap so much. It's such a good book because it kind of teaches you uh, how to avoid reacting in certain situations? Because you kind of see the signs and the patterns you make before something happens, and you can almost create your path before you're walking down it, if that makes sense.
1: I think for me, I, kind of, I mean, I'm fine, and I'm, the therapies helped me immensely. It's helped me handle situations. It helps me handle every day situations um but maybe i i think one of the reasons why i started it i, I actually had a client and she was a psycho uh, therapist and like she was a client for years and we just started to like talk about it and she said oh yeah you should go um, i think she had like a bad divorce or she had like she didn't actually say but she said oh it's helped it's helped me so much and she just seemed like a cool level-headed person who just had their shit together and i was just like cool and kind of i was going through like i just think like internal frost uh frustrations like with stutter and then maybe like feeling bad about eating disorder and i just felt as though i have more potential in me um and i would like to just find out why i'm feeling the way that i am and i would just like to kind of as i said before unravel it um so i can then just move Forward a lot a lot more efficiently a lot uh, a better and just yeah as i said again just be the best version of myself possible i think like uh and this is this makes it makes sense because i've talked to the
0: clients that you've worked with uh, as far as nutrition coaching goes and then I'll, obviously yeah. i've heard a lot of stories about the people you work with over in the uk yeah. for in-person training and you have a lot of empathy with your clients and i think this is like probably a really big reason why is just and this is why it's so important for coaches to have coaches and to have mentors and to go through therapy and to go through, honestly, like it sounds bad, but like you almost had to go through an eating disorder to be the coach that you are today. I had to go through that physique. I had to be fat and then lose weight and then go through a physique competition and then regain weight and have to learn how to reverse diet before reverse dieting was like a coin term. Like I had to yeah. go through all those struggles and internal battles and anxiety and things like that in order to sit here and coach. From the place i'm coaching from so i can say like i get it i understand
1: i think it's the exact same thing with you yeah yeah just like experiencing it right because then we understand what the clients are going through and we've seen it and done it at first hand so yeah i'm kind of a little bit like that with sort of training as well i feel like if i if i sort of train the way that i'm teaching my clients i've been through i've been through that as well so you can relate and you can help and uh guide a lot better so yeah
0: that's honestly i think one of the biggest detriments of my training personally is because like like sometimes my goals or like the style of training will completely shift because we're launching a new program in the elite or like we're doing a new ebook and i i make a point like i'm I'm trying this out before i i put it out there and it'll be like well i'm doing a high volume six day split my real goal is this but like I have to do this for four weeks because I have to go through it (laughs) kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but something you said that like because you 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 just you you kind of just alluded to the fact that you knew this lady you were training and she kind of convinced you into it and it just kind of made me think of like that quote something along lines of like the five people you hang around with most are something like that and I think it's so true like so the person I'm working with right now, shout out to Andreas. You'll meet him in January. He's gonna come cool. like team building exercises with us. But he uh he lives here in Washington and uh I've known him for a long time. Very, very successful person. We're actually trying to get him on the podcast. We're just going through our schedules, but he uh I mean, dude, he owns too many businesses to like even I don't know, I don't understand how he does it. And he owns an orphanage in Mexico and he wow. uh dude like he donates I won't talk his numbers, but a ridiculous amount of his money to charity every single month. He has yeah. uh, a, a great family. He's partakes in his church. Like, the dude is just, it's so crazy. And, like, I don't understand how he controls it all. And, like, what I told him on the phone, because his whole thing is, like, his mentoring is, like, kind of just, like, a side thing. And he, uh, like, basically 25% of all, it might even be more, of everything he gets paid through mentoring goes right to a charity. So I know exactly where my money's going when I pay him every month. Um he actually helped me get connected and, and we haven't talked about it publicly yet, but this won't air for a few weeks. Is this is how we got connected to the Hunger Children Fund and how we're yeah. we're starting with those two thousand meals a month and we're gonna grow it. Uh, but he was on the phone with me and his whole thing is like, hey, I don't do this for money, so like I wanna act, like why do you want to mentor with me? Like what's like I need to make sure I can help you. And I was like, kind of like what you said, I was like, dude, you're just cool. Like you everything okay. is smooth, like you seem really Put together like not in the sense of like you have a lot of money like I don't know how much you make but I know you have a lot of money. Yeah. But you're happy, you're balanced, like you have fun, like you don't seem stressed. Like everything is just like like it just took me back. I was like I've never met somebody like that. And like yeah. I was like I don't know what your price is, I don't know what your structure is, I don't know how you mentor, I don't know
1: what you teach, but I'm in just whatever yeah. I'm in. Just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like Yeah. Literally everything that you're saying about him, I feel the exact same way about you. <laughs>
0: I appreciate that dude a lot but it,
1: but that's a good example too
0: like I don't think I I don't see myself like that because yeah, it's okay. me obviously and I appreciate that yeah but that's why I have somebody above me that helps me and that's why he has a mentor you know what I mean yeah. it's just like this evolution yeah. and and I don't think this means you need to be sucked into spending thousands and thousands of dollars every month on masterminds and stuff like that but what it does say is like if you want to be like somebody, if you want to act like somebody, think like somebody, be successful like somebody, uh, or just even get like the energy from somebody, yeah. there's no choice but to hang around them or hang be around them or associate yourself 100%. with them.
1: Yeah, 100%. I was actually having a conversation with a, a, a client about that this uh, morning. We we're actually talking about me coming on the podcast and I was actually talking about about you. I just said, yeah, like, you know, obviously you've had that phrase, the five, you're the average, of the five people that you spend a time when I'm just saying I'm just, I'm just like grateful and blessed to be able to have this sort of contact with you, work with you, and just see like kind of how you got to do things. And yeah, I'm hoping that kind of that will rub off as well. <laughs> it
0: Dude, it it already has. Like, cause you know I teach you everything that I learned from the people above me, and I think that yeah. you've grown so much as it is. And I I think it's a good example too. Like, you reached out to me and were like basically did the same thing I did, to Andreas. I was just like yo, like you were like, Hey, I, I I don't know how it works, but I feel like we got to do something. And I was like, Oh, hey, let's get on the phone call. And then we talked yeah. and it was like, cool, let's do it. You know what I mean? And I think if I look at everybody who's mentoring with me, that's how they all started. It, it yeah. wasn't a matter of like, Hey, we're doing this black Friday mentorship promo. sale." Yeah. I'm thinking like that. Cause a couple of days of black Friday, but th- yeah. they all just DM me or email me. We're
1: like, Hey, like, I want to be a part of whatever you're doing. Like, oh, I think okay. you can help me. Yeah. I think a lot of it as well is just like liking the actual person. I mean, at the time I was listening to the, the podcast and I was obviously like learning, you're talking about like macros. And at that time I didn't really know an awful lot. And then just like understanding that and I thought, all right, I want to understand a little bit more about this and learn a little bit more. And I just kind of liked the way that you like spoke, kind of liked kind of you and Theo would have like jokes and just, yeah, I just kind of liked you guys and i like sort of sort of you and then that was kind of uh like a main reason for me to uh, reach out as well so um yeah
0: and this is a good like the biggest takeaway anybody listeners can take away from this is if you if you look up to somebody if you want to become something or create something find people who emulate what you are trying to create what you're trying to do who you are trying to become and force yourself to be around them i've mm. Took a flight to Vegas and forced myself into a dinner situation with Jason before he even mm. talked to me. <laughs> I couldn't even get on a call with him. I just I was like, "I'm yeah, I already got on my flight." Like, telling his <laughs> assistant, "Like, just he's got to do dinner with me." Like, but like, you have to force yourself into those situations. I've done it many times with different people in my life, and I think that's super, super important. And I think it's yeah. so powerful because that saying, as cheesy as it is, because like everybody says it now, it's yeah. it's absolutely yeah. true, man. The people you yeah. surround yourself with, and that includes who you talk to. Most you're in the you're in London. So, exactly said, yeah, But exactly. we still associate with each other often enough to where that counts. And if anybody listening to this is in London and you want us to create a headquarters in London, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> That's something that we've talked about in the future. I think that would be a really cool thing. And actually yeah, yeah. I'm putting this out on the podcast right now. So uh, cool. better, better actually happen. Um, <laughs> this has nothing to do with business, but um, Shannon's friend is moving to Germany at the end of this year. And she's already trying to get us to plan a trip out there next year. And you you've got to I, come, dude. I literally immediately said, Shannon, I don't even have to take off work. You just say when, and <laughs> I'm there.
1: So we we'll, uh, you, you, you have a room, and it's there. We have like uh, a loft conversion. It's all yours, mate. I
0: appreciate it, man. Yeah, Thank we're you. we're definitely good. if we come, we're gonna. I mean, it's not if, it's when because we're coming regardless. But we'll. That'd be so a Man cool. in Germany, hang out with her friend. Hang out with Lisa; she'll be up there, and then we'll drop down to yeah. London and hang out with you for a while. That'd be so good, yeah, dude. Um, we have a we have a bunch of places we'd have to hit, so we'd be out there for like three weeks because we got to see Croatia, we got to see uh, Italy, um, my family in Budapest, so we'd be hitting the train. Oh, really? Yeah, we'd be going everywhere. My mom actually just got back from um Germany, Budapest, and somewhere else as Germany. well. So, yeah. So really cool. But I want to get back to your story, man. Now we're starting to rant, just yeah. just just bullshit like we do. So we've kind of gone through uh, the entire mindset side of things. And I guess like, just to kind of cap that part off, how important do you think it is? And, and how important is it to your clients? Like, what do, you, what do you push on your clients as far as mindset goes? Do you talk to them about this stuff? Do you, do you help them see the importance of that? Or can you just shed some light on how important that side of things is? Because um, even for myself, I don't always talk to clients about it but they hear me talk about it enough to where they bring up things they heard me say. And they're like, Hey, I took this away from podcast. I've been doing it and it's helped me a ton. And then we can kind of elaborate on that. But um, I'm just curious as far as like physical transformation, how important is that mindset
1: piece involved in the coaching period? Uh, I think it's uh, massive. Um, obviously if the mindset, if your mindset is on a point and you have the right mindset, then results are going to come a lot easier. Right? So Um, I don't like to talk to my clients specifically about mindset. I do actually, I do have uh, one or or two, uh, maybe a few more, but yeah, I say that the majority of my clients, I don't speak to them about mindset, but I'm just very open and I just kind of say kind of what's on, how, not how I feel, but I just just tell them the sort of truth, right? I just, I'm just as open and honest as I possibly can can be and then i just kind of let them know that they can be as open and honest as they want with me as well and i feel like just with that open door and with that open c- communication then a lot of conversation can start uh, happening and then you, you then i think people start to uh, open up a little bit more i think maybe it comes back down to what you said earlier on just like being like a normal person and just saying that yeah like we make mistakes we Mess up, nothing's going to be perfect all the, all the time, and just yeah, yeah, just be as open as possible. I think too. Like, I think
0: sometimes it's less about saying to a client, "You need to work on mindset," so follow this eight-step daily protocol. Yeah, exactly. I think it almost just naturally comes about in those conversations. Like you said, when you have open conversations, it almost just comes about, and they it kind of rubs off on them. Regardless, like they end up just being more confident and strong and just resilient. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I think that's the biggest well thing. <laughs> um I try to I, I try to capitalize on what I know what you're thinking man. So um, <laughs> but, but I because I can agree with that too. Like I know for me there I, I can count like the, the clients I have that I do say like hey like it, it's really ever like hey like you need to work on your mindset like follow these five things but like for example uh, last week I told a person hey we're not making any adjustments until you just work on your mindset. Like it really is that important. And I think the best thing for you to do right now is listen to this audiobook. I sent her a link, yeah. and I was like, yeah. and buy this journal. And it has like the five minute journal. Like write yeah. this, write this. So it's very guided. And I was like, you need to do these things. And I promise this will help your weight loss.
1: Like and that's yeah, that, yeah. That's what I was uh, thinking about with uh, a few clients that I kind of talk to or work with directly. It's pretty, uh, pretty much that. Um, just kind of having some sort of like morning routine meditation journaling reading some books podcasts um and then that kind of can help as well right
0: yeah yeah and and just like an added thing i will say for people to have takeaway the thing you're not doing that will help even more is sleep like there's like been some recent research that shows basically your ability to adhere or like your inhibition is dramatically affected even your mood and your motivation is dramatically affected just on the hours of sleep so like as little as six hours which doesn't seem like deprivation but 6 hours or less would significantly decrease your level of motivation and your ability to adhere to a diet which is just insane like you're just way more likely to stay consistent if you just get sleep it's just and it sucks cuz that's like the least sexy thing it has nothing to really do with coaching like it's just yeah. you just got to do it um we uh i can't not talk about this so i want to talk about the fighters you train cuz you train some yeah. badass dudes what yeah. is the i guess the difference um that you see the biggest difference because i think in some cases it's not tremendously big with like sports Mm -hmm. performance versus gen pop if relative Mm -hmm. strength is relative strength but at the same time like fighters there's got to be some specific stuff you're working on so i'm just curious of like how that looks with your gen pop versus fighters because you have like it's it's always fun to watch your story because you'll be in a room working with these like just top level muay thai guys and then next thing you know you're working with just everyday Mm -hmm. business dude and it's just like boom, like big switch. And it's so cool, because I think like, that's one of the things I love about Boom Boom Performance is like, we work with such an array of people. And people say like, like, I had a DM from somebody's like, Hey, do you work with runners? Or do you just work with bodybuilders? And I was like, we work with vegans, uh, bodybuilders, bikini athletes, runners, fighters, CrossFitters, mom and dads, teachers, like, like, we're not niched. Like, we, we help people. <laughs> That's it. Um, but what are those big shifts like? Like, is there a huge shift between the two? Is it more of just like an attitude and a, a style of coaching? Or is there a big program design shift
1: too? No, like, yeah. If you think about athletes and general pop, the similarities aren't actually that different. Um, like, tight hip flexors, weak glutes, hamstrings, weak upper back, uh, needs like that's kind of like uh, same as a general pop or a, a sedentary person right so that doesn't actually sort of change that, that much and that's quite a similar thing in terms of kind of them kind of them as people obviously a fighter, uh, the fighters want to get after it and they're like they want to push it they want to work they, they come and they work Um, It's actually a case of actually getting them to like calm down and actually not work so hard and not push it that much because obviously we know recovery is sort of key and these guys are training twice a day, they're training six days a week. So it's just me just trying to uh, apply the minimal effective dose, uh, elicit the response that I want, um, calming them down and just getting them to recover so then they're kind of ready for their like... Uh, sparring or their, their pad work, so um, I say like not all, but generally a general pop could uh, maybe need a little bit more motivation, a bit more of like um, sort of you know, encouragement, and then uh, fighters you just need to kind of calm them down. <laughs> yeah, I not think- but then, not all because some guys that fighters are kind of sort of chilled as well, but generally, yeah, I'd say that's the sort of difference.
0: That's that's a it's an interesting thing when you see the really chill ones or even like athletes that are very explosive and off the field, off the court, off the mat. They're like very slow and low key and chill. And then when they're on the mat, it's like like explosive and it's it's really wow. I had a really good Theo was like that actually. Theo is like the most chill. Low key, yeah. ever, but you ask him to jump, dunk a ball, or like sprint on a soccer field, and it's like insane, like very, yeah. quickly, very quick, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. like out of nowhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got a guy, Phil, this is the, a Caspar. Shout out to Phil. He actually just won uh, a European title recently, so that's always uh, great uh, to uh, see. Um, but yeah, he would kind of do like heavy uh, squat for like five reps, and then he would like just sit on the bench and just sit there and i'll be like are you okay you want to do like a filler do you want to do a bit of mobilization he's like no i'm cool and i'll like whack on some more weight (laughs) Under the bar heavy heavy set free and then sit back down again okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) do uh do you do you like have any um is there any type of tapering or deloading or anything like that leading up to a fight? Do you ramp things up? Do you have? A, and then I guess the other side—I I guess I'm—I'm I'm curious of when we say like things are somewhat similar. Do you believe? And this—I think this is a really, um, this is a really uh, good conversation to have with anybody in the sport training. I've asked multiple people that have trained like pro athletes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. this question: Do you think sports-specific training is real, or do you think it's just? Re- it's relative to the intensity or the energy or the strength, energy system or the strength you're trying to create. Because like a, an assault bike can create, you can program for an energy system stimulus or, or result to be created, but the assault bike's not sport specific to fighting. Okay. Yet it can still benefit, right? Like, Or like, are you the type to say like, hey, if we build strength in an explosive motion, we are going to build explosive strength and that's the key. Or do we have to do a... Half kneeling landmine rotational explosive press with a three second egg because that's what a punch does kind of you know what I mean like I think yeah. there's I don't, I'm not shitting on people who do those things because I think sometimes there's there's points to being explosive in specific ranges of motion but I'm curious of your thoughts of like how applicable that is because I have my thoughts on it but I don't train pro fighters so I wouldn't I really wouldn't know
1: yeah no I mean um, i said like I'm somewhere down the sort of middle I always think there's like one extreme or the other right, and I always right. think it's yeah, just down the the middle is usually kind of the best of the approach, um out of camp, we're just kind of like building base level of um i'm, I'm a um I'm, I'm a strength working on my ability, obviously as the fight comes the closer, I am peaking them, and then uh exercises do go from more general to more um um i'm a, i'm a specific, but um yeah, kind of. I also just find exercises that the athlete can perform well to uh, elicit the adaptation and the response that you want, right? So just choosing the exercises that suit that suit them, that they can get that response from, and then just go with, with that, uh, basically. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. Like, if you're trying to do
0: something very technically specific and the athlete can't What's get with point? it, yeah, you're never going to get the change that you want, right?
1: Exactly. And going and going back to sort of athletes and in the sort of strength and conditioning uh like scene they're actually the athletes that i come into contact with are actually novices in the, the weight room they actually don't really know how to squat how to deadlift, or how to hinge they don't know how to create torque tension not sure how to brace so even just like working on those fundamentals first before in like simple. Uh, exercises um, just working on the fundamental movement patterns first before then getting fancy or getting too sports specific so um yeah
0: i think that applies for training and nutrition I, and i actually say this all the time because i think people like let's say a natural athlete or a natural fighter or something jumps into stuff you assume if somebody can fight in the ring they can probably do a really good back squat but chances are they pro- they probably can't so they yeah. probably jump the gun on a lot of beginner exercises right and I tell people this with nutrition all the time. I work with a lot of people who are nutrition coaches or dietitians or whatever themselves, and they come to me and I'm like, hey, like, we need to build your base. Like, like, And this applies to everybody. It's like, if, and this goes for exercise and nutrition. If you don't have a foundation, I look at it like a house or a building. You have a foundation first. If your foundation is shit, the house or the building will crumble. It's not gonna last very long. So if you want sustainable success, if you want whatever you're doing to be consistent, the foundation has to be very, very solid. Um, And I see a lot of people who jump the gun and and rush the foundation, and then they end up crumbling down the road.
1: Yeah, 100%. Same. Just build that base level of um, uh, strength uh, first. Um, Once you build build that base level of strength, then the athlete can then display that force quickly, right? So but without that, without a base level of strength, there's no way that that they can then display force quickly. So then you kind of, yeah, you kind of, as you said, jump in the the gun. Um, Yeah. additioning as well just building that aerobic base first right if you have that aerobic base then you can then um build other other parts of your conditioning on top of that
0: I, i see that a lot with crossfitters and people who jump into hypertrophy training as well like they they're they're so set on the end goal that they avoid the beginning process and then when I start them and I bring them down, I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem that intense. So this doesn't seem that like much volume. I'm like, just trust me. And then all of a sudden the results are fantastic. And I'm like, you're doing things right now. And now we can build that volume or that intensity on top of this foundation that you built. So um, I'm glad we touched on that. Cause I think that's a, I actually think that's something that I don't hear many people talk about, but I think it's behind the scenes. I think it's like one of the biggest principles of all great coaches, (laughs) like coaching. (laughs) Yeah, but um, cool. So I want to, I want to dive into one more last thing, man. Um, actually we'll have two more. One will be a personality question, but the first one is uh, just cause people love hearing this is, um, what are the biggest mistakes you see clients make? So this can be athletes can be gen pop that you see in person can be the clients that we work with at boom performance on nutrition. Um, but like one to three things, like it could be just one thing that you just constantly see or up to three, but like, what are the things that stand out to you as the biggest mistakes people are making that you try to help them fix?
1: Um, maybe patience. Is one, and we kind of touched on that earlier on. Just having the patience to, or having that long-term process, or or realizing that it is a long-term process, and having that long-term goal in mind, and just being patient with it, and just keeping consistent, doing the boring things every single day, and just if the results aren't happening as fast as you want, just trust the process. They, They will happen in the end. Just keep consistent, keep patient, keep hearing, and results will happen. Um, and also like simplicity comes into that a little bit as well, I think um I don't know why I was just thinking about this earlier on, actually just um maybe people um don't realize how uh I don't want to say how simple that it is, but you don't have to be get fancy. you don't have to kind of um make things complicated the simpler that it is, usually the more uh, likelihood you are going to adhere. To that, and then that will get results over time. So, yeah, I think that's perfect,
0: dude. I I actually think that I think it actually is really really simple. Uh, I th- it's not always easy, but it's yeah, very yeah, simple.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And I think if we look at, I, I remember having a big light bulb moment like years and years ago of like looking at other people's physique, and I was like, man, I want to be bigger, I want to be leaner. I don't understand what these guys are doing that I'm not. Mm-hmm. They weren't doing anything that I wasn't. In fact, I was doing more. I was doing more advanced things. I was into the science, all that stuff. They've just been they had four years on me. <laughs> it was just like, there you go. I just stuck to it. And there was that there's a really cool quote inside of uh, atomic habits. And he says, uh, and it's, it's not exactly this. I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially says, the people who are the most successful, accept doing the boring things every day.
1: And it's basically
0: that. saying, like, if you just accept that, not every day, you're going to be a big ball of fiery passion, you're not gonna always be driven, it's not going to be the like you're not going to hit prs in every training s- uh, yeah. session you're going to hit your macros perfectly every day you're not going to look as lean as you want to look every day but like you're just okay with the boring progress of just being like hey, i'm just small wins one percent progressive overload every day just like little by yeah. little right in all areas of your life like that's what creates ultimate success
1: yeah i like that and also there's that on off mentality right mm-hmm. people start and right i'm i'm on i'm gonna train six days a week i'm gonna Eat clean, quote unquote, and then when they're off, they're off, and they they're just not on, on point. And although some people do work well, as kind of uh, do, do work well with like a overhaul, um, I just feel like for the majority of people that I've come into contact with, that's not always the best approach. And then um, I, I heard an analogy that was quite cool about rather than thinking about an on off uh, switch, think of more like a dimmer light where you kind of like turn it up at certain points when you feel good and then you just turn it down at points when you don't feel as good so if you've got a motivation for like this week or the week after you kind of turn that or dial up and then maybe like you're a bit stressed at work sleep uh, hasn't been on point the kids are kind of getting on your nerves it's fine you just turn that my switch down a bit. Nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing's going to be spot on. Do the best that you can at that given point, and then you can turn that uh, uh, um, turn it up again when you feel good. Yeah, hundred percent. And I,
0: I can't remember who said it, but I've heard that as well, and I really, really in- like that uh, analogy. I've actually but used yeah, it with clients yeah. too. Um, all right, man. Last question for you uh, today is: This actually works perfect because you're going to be flying here in January. You got a long ass flight ahead of you, and. and now- you have two seats open next to you man you're sitting right in the middle you got two seats left and right you can put anybody in those seats alive or dead but it cannot be friends or family you get to bring one book along with you and you can listen to one album not an artist not a song but an album what are you listening to what are you reading who's sitting next to you uh
1: the book i'll go go first the one thing uh i think yeah i think uh that's a book that changed my a paradigm on time and how to protect your time, how to block your time, and it just makes you realize like how precious time is so it's the only commodity that we don't get back um and after just reading that book, I just feel like you're gonna just realize how important time is and how uh, how much you can get done as well in probably um in a smaller window than you might think so mm-hmm. definitely the one thing that's also a reread as well. Um, people sitting next to me I have to go with like, Joe Rogan. Uh, it's quite a, a laddie sort of choice, but yeah. that's my <laughs> uh, answer too. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I really like his perspective on life. I like his outlook. I like he. I always think like he has a different angle. He um, he's obviously uh, a cool guy. He's a funny guy. I have that cool sort of connection with martial arts as well. But yeah, uh, Joe Rogan. And then I wonder if you allow me a little bit of flexibility on my next one. Um, But I like my granddad. And uh, uh, the reason why I say that is because my granddad actually passed away when my dad was very young. And um, he he actually went to World War II, and he was a prisoner in a Japanese uh, war camp. And he actually survived and came out, um, came came back to the UK, but then sadly passed away uh, a few years after that so i would like to know really what kind of what it what life was like around that time and it might sound a bit morbid but kind of what it was like being in that japanese prison yeah war camp and then just the kind of struggles he went through and what that was kind of like so yeah. I, I no no you can
0: absolutely say it man i think that would honestly be <laughs> one of the best answers you can can give i think yeah. it's, I can kind of relate to that. He's still alive. My uh, grandfather from the one from Budapest actually.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: he uh, he was in the Hungarian Revolution, um, so he was uh, almost a prisoner of war. Yeah. Um, he was actually escaping, and he got shot in the back of the leg and the back in his wow. back, hopping a fence, um, fled, went across the ocean, <laughs> landed in Canada, met my grandma and my mom was born in Toronto, and. Yes he's a very very humble man he speaks english but it's very poor very thick accent and he doesn't talk much about his history right and it wasn't until we were in high school my brother was doing a history report asked him because we had to do a history report on a veteran so he chose my grandpa and uh this story came out of like basically he was he was either like 13 or 14 when it happened and they took over his his house his parents died he had to help his uh, like he has a huge family of brothers and sisters, uh, flee through the woods to a concentration camp um, in a mm-hmm. carriage that he led out of as a 14 year old boy. Grew up in this concentration camp, joined the army at 18, went to fight, got shot while he's fleeing. Like it's just the most insane story, and we're just like. And then he ended up coming back, and just, he was a uh, an Olympic uh, kayaker. Came back and joined the Olympics to the kayak, and then he was on the. This, this is fucking crazy. He was on the Discovery Channel for three months. No way living oh. in the wilderness my mom was too they couldn't have any food nothing they had hungry. oh just, wow Just like Shit. the craziest thing so like the, like i uh, just grandpa and then my brother does this report and we're like what the hell yeah. like the <laughs> craziest thing so um I, honestly like i i've i've been asked the question i always say joe rogan and i think last time i said yeah. joe rogan and arnold schwarzenegger but now that the game changers came out that would be <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but like now that you said your grandpa, like very, very similar reasons, I would probably do the same thing because I'm, I'm sure like unfortunately you didn't get the chance to hear anything. But yeah. I guarantee your grandpa has some unbelievable stories that just make you yeah. appreciate and be so grateful for what you have.
1: I just think life was just so different back then. My dad did tell me a story that his aunties and uncles, they lived in London and they went out to work for the day, came back and the house was bombed. It was just gone. And obviously, back then, there's no housing insurance, right? So it's gone. What you do is just like just completely crazy, man. It crazy, yeah. It crazy.
0: I think, like, things like that, though, like y- you almost need to think about those things because it just makes you so grateful. That's why I actually like part of the reason why I like Joe Rogan's podcast because he interviews some people that you're just like, I got a good man, I'm so grateful, it's insane. Totally, man! Wow. So, uh album. album. What album are you listening to?
1: Um, I actually I like techno. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> I think I I listen to tech, Well, I know I listen to techno. <laughs> the way you said that. The way you said that. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, no 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 all good <laughs> so i was thinking uh there's a, a british dj that i like called the Cox. so i was thinking it would be like a live mix uh from him uh does that count as yeah. an album
0: i think uh like you're gonna you're gonna laugh but i'm i'm pretty sure if it wasn't the same exact dj it was the, basically the same answer but different dj from uh greg potter on the sleep science oh but really yeah yeah so cool. it must be a big thing in the uk
1: yeah because um, with him, Carl Cox, he's been like literally the top of his game for like thirty years, um, and he's like he's like a true master. He's like a big, bald, black dude who wears like uh, he wears the glasses. Um, so when he's behind the decks, you kind of know that, like that's Carl Cox, yeah. and he's just like he's like a true master, master of his craft, top of his game for like thirty plus years, and he's still killing it, man. So I don't know how he does it, but yeah, that's wild, dude yeah but yeah also I, I like you i'm actually i do like a lot of music uh, genres and actually, I, was, I was actually on a long flight recently and i uh plugged in uh pink floyd uh dark side of the moon and i i forgot how amazing that so album good. is such uh, a trip
0: i have uh <laughs> i took them all off the wall i mean you can i think you can see there's an album up there on the bookshelf you can kind of see it Way up yeah. there. um That's Oasis, uh definitely. Maybe which I you mean, might know. Um, I
1: love the fact that you love them because they were like in, in my like. Um, I'm a school days. I just know every single word. So every yeah. Song. So I've never there.
0: heard a I've never heard a bad song or album by them. To be honest, <laughs> like it's just all really good. Um, and, and this sounds this sounds fucking crazy, but I'm one of those people that like sits there and tries to hear what they're saying. And sometimes you can listen to him and. You know he's really drugged out, so you're, like, trying to articulate what he's saying. But if you can get the meaning behind it, it's very deep. And it's actually very, very cool and relatable sometimes. Um, But, no, but the reason I said it is uh, because they're all in the closet now, but I have a ton of albums all framed. And Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon is one of them. Like, I have the original from my mom, actually. Yeah, kind of torn up and shit. It's, like, the original, original. That's really cool, man. Yeah, so um, great podcast, brother. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, man. We're running over time because I could probably just keep going with you, but um, we okay. will get to do that in just over a month now. So I'm excited to have you back on. Um, I'm going to drop all your links. So I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to ask you where to find you because I already know where to find you and I'm going to drop them all in the links. I'm going to drop your website, your Instagram, all that stuff. Um, your meet the, meet the Coach page on our website so they can see you and get to know you. Um, and obviously, if you want to apply for coaching to work with one of us, including Adam, click the link in the description. You can work with us directly. Um, Do you have any final words for the podcast, bro? Uh,
1: Thanks for listening. Sorry if I've I've rambled on uh, in the beginning, a little bit nervous. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Before I let you go, I just want to say
0: thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com sign up, or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy.